Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. But before we do, guys, we're about to get into a passage where God actually asks Job a bunch of questions. And some of the questions he asks is, have you ever been to certain places? And so I have a question for you. What is the most remote place you've ever been? Um, I've got I've got two two that come to mind for different criteria. One uh, one is in the U.S., so maybe that doesn't count as remote for us. But it was an interesting fact. So there's a place called Chalice, Idaho, and uh, they their claim to fame is that they are the uh, place that is farthest away. If you're in the continental United States, the farthest away from a McDonald's. So if you, if you go there, it, that you is to, remote. Yeah, wow. you have to drive the longest to get to a McDonald's from there. Um, but the place that's probably more remote, uh, more legitimately remote is a place called uh, Papa Yacta, which is in uh, Ecuador. And it's up in the mountains. It's a hydroelectric dam that was built there for um, uh, HCJB is a, a missions organization that uh, had a radio in Ecuador on the on the equator so they could broadcast these shortwave messages all around the world, uh, especially like when uh, the uh, Russia was closed and things like that. They can get they could broadcast to countries from there. So they built this power plant up in the, you know, high up in the Andes. Um, and when I went to visit some uh, missionaries that our church supported, um, we, we went up there and it's about as far away from, you know, a big city as you can, you can get. I suppose the people that work at that hydroelectric dam do not think that that dam is remote. It is not remote for them. So mm. remote being obviously relative to where you live, I will share two and then you two can vote on which one is more remote. All, All right. right. So... One is, if you consider a Pacific Island remote, Maui. Hmm. I, it's touristy. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Lots so, of people go there. Yeah. All right. So there I've it is. Never it's, been an, there. it's an island out in the middle of the ocean, right? Okay. The other one is on a go team trip, traveling by car from Sierra Leone into Liberia. And we were in the car for about 10 hours. I have no idea where we were. It was dusty and remote in my mind. So is the border of Sierra Leone and Liberia remote or Maui? Yeah. That's, that's tricky. I say probably easier to get to Maui, but the, the Sierra Leone is definitely more remote. Like, Relative to where we're recording this where podcast. Recording. Yeah. Oh, this, 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 now That's I'm thinking about what remote really means. This might be the whole podcast episode oh, yeah. today. Okay. Well, you got an answer, Nikki? Uh, yeah. So mine was um, went on a go You guys team. aren't voting? Oh, oh well, I told you. Oh, I, we, we just we, moved on. You just we, moved if, on? If we both vote for the same thing, but if we vote for different things, it's split. There's no tiebreaker. I think Sierra Leone. Um, I think it's probably Sierra Leone, but... Hey, listeners of this podcast, <laughs> it's your turn to vote. What's more remote, the border uh, between Sierra Leone and Liberia or Maui? Email your answer to podcast at biblesavvy.com. I was <laughs> waiting for it. <laughs> now it's your turn, Nikki. <laughs> All right. So for me, uh, I was also on a go team, a uh, sh- uh, short-term mission trip. Uh, Clayton and I actually yeah. went with a, a, a team of people. Um, and it was this little village in some region of the Czech Republic. I don't actually remember the name of the town, um, but we had to drive pretty far out to get there. And it was this small little like, like house, like hut that had all this historic history in it. And Clayton can describe the history a lot 
So it was, uh, I, 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 we couldn't find out what the name of the actual, <laughs> wow, he didn't say, I, if he I were you, Clayton, I would not even provide yes. any historical context <laughs> to that. No, 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 please Because he's a nerd? he's a nerd. He just remembers uh, the history about things. Or maybe he, were you on this trip too, I was Clayton? on this trip too. So he, he was, was just paying attention? That's, <laughs> yes, he can remember the historical facts a lot better than I can. He's just... He's so, just much more savvy and skilled. I'll take I'll take nerd. I've I've had worse. Um, the <laughs> the town was uh, we I don't remember the village the name of the village, um, but it was the place where the Moravian movement was started. So mm-hmm. uh, this is basically a prayer meeting that was like uh, you've you've heard of like twenty four seven prayer kinds of things. This was like the original uh, version of that, and they were doing this for years. Um, and out of this like decades long kind of prayer thing. Um, people were sent out as missionaries. And so uh, it's kind of the precursor to the modern mission movement. And they were going to countries that at that time in the, you know, 13, 1400s um, would have been like completely inaccessible. Um, and then it lasted for a long time. The The people who came from there eventually, you know, a century or so later, uh, influenced people like John Wesley and others. So uh, a lot of the people who ended up spreading the gospel far and wide when travel was more accessible were inspired by these guys. So it was a very obscure village, but the yeah. impact it had on the world was pretty huge. And it was just interesting to walk in this space and hear all these stories. And this is really a surreal moment to think like, oh, like those people walked here and lived here. I kind of like, it's like, when people say they went to went like walked around Jerusalem and I'm like you mean you stood where Jesus stood like that just blows my mind you know so so I will I'll point out something that Nikki said we kind of flew right past it for those of you that don't attend Christ Community Church what we call short term missions trips at Christ Community Church are go teams yes one of the sad things about the COVID pandemic was we couldn't send any teams internationally. When we had been averaging like a bonkers rate, like a team every other week, Mm -hmm. every year. So we were sending out 20 to 30 teams a year. We're back in action, y'all. So if you do attend Christ Community Church, teams are starting to form and go out again. So hit the church website and check out the international impact page because we're going again. Yeah. And we're not Moravian and we're still going. We're still going. That's right. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, so we are in Job 38. This is uh, our last podcast on Job, and we've kind of come to, in some sense, the punchline of the book, okay? So here's here's where we've been. Uh, the beginning of the book is um, God and uh, the heavenly council and Satan talking about Job, and there is this question, does Job just honor you because his life is easy? And so they kind of go through this scenario, okay, what if we take everything from Job? And, and so Job has uh, his... Uh, his life fall apart because of this. And the question is, will he still honor God? And the, the answer is yes, he still honors God. But it leaves Job with this uh, question of why did this happen to me? And his friends all say, well, it's be- obviously because you did something wrong because that's why bad things happen to people. You do something run- wrong, God punishes you. But Job is saying, no, I, I know I didn't do anything wrong. And I, I have no explanation. It does not make sense. And so Job the entire time has been saying to God, will you give me an answer? He, he starts off by saying, I wish I could talk to God. I wish I could meet with God. Like, I wish I could present my case to God. And finally he gets to the end and he's like, all right, here's the deal. I want, I want to present my case to God. I'm, I'm laying it all out there. Let's see if he'll answer me. And then uh, Job gets his, his, his wish, and uh, it's a bit more intense than he bargained for. And, uh, and this is the chapter where God speaks back, and um, 
let, let's just read it and we'll, we'll see how we react to this. So Job 38, Eric, you want to read that for us? Yeah. And a little bit of trivia. This is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And if you know my personality, <laughs> once, <laughs> make sense. <laughs> once you hear the first few verses of this, it'll make sense. All right, here we go. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid out the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely, you know, who stretched a measuring line across it on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, and when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way of the abode of light? Where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Now, who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does, it, does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or, or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its youngs cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? All right, man. And he's not done. And he's not done. He goes on for multiple chapters after that. Um, we are going to go to the O in comma, which is observation. So it's, what do you see here? And I'll start off by just saying, uh, I see the divine sarcasm. <laughs> There's, yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, God in some ways is, uh, 
he's straightforward in a lot of uh, other you know things uh but this is this is him at his most uh sassy if i'm allowed to say that uh where he is using the the rhetoric of saying all right really really you know and and the strong hyperbole of like tr- really making his point um by showing the foolishness of the the alternative yeah for me um as I was reading this, like just like privately, the who is this and the brace yourself literally sent chills like down my arms. Like if like Job wanted to Job wanted to talk to God, he wanted to hear that like or maybe he didn't think he was going to hear that. But oh, my gosh, like fall to your face and just melt. I don't know. Like I'd be like, oh, OK. You couldn't see me. I crouched, but <laughs> brace yourself like a man. I love that verse. Like you've been doing a lot of complaining, Job. You've been asking a lot of questions. I'm about to talk like that is the whole. So my main observation is not from one particular thought or verse, but rather the sense you get of how majestic God is. Yeah. And that he is the creator of everything and we are part of his creation. And the difference between him and us is astronomical. Yeah, there you you go through all the different things and you see uh just just how presumptuous it presumptuous it is to think that you really <laughs> comprehend something. It's not that we don't know certain things, you know what I mean? But there is there's a vast, vast difference in what God knows and what we know. Um, so a lot of, a lot of it has to do with like, do you really understand this? Um, one of the, one of the ones that I, um, I find really like inspiring in some ways, uh, let's see, verse, uh, 26, uh, he's, he's asking a question, you know, like who, who sends the rain and all these things. And he says to water a land where no one lives in an uninhabited desert to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. It's almost like God's like, I've got things going on that nobody sees. You know what I mean? Like there are, there are places on the planet that not a human soul has ever laid eyes on. And I have things happening there. I have purposes and plans and stuff going on. And we, when you extrapolate from like the things on earth, people haven't seen to the things throughout the solar system and the universe, you know what I mean? Like the, the amount of things God has going on that we know nothing about and no one ever will know anything about simply because they're his purposes. Like it's, it's astounding when we sort of step up and say, let me explain this. You know, um, there's a, there's a, a real gap in his knowledge and ours. Yeah. He's so, he's concerned with so much more than we could ever, yeah ever fathom. Um, for me, it was, of course, there's just a ton of vivid imagery, a ton of poetry in here. Um, but I made that same throughout the entire thing. It's like, I can't latch on to one specific thing because every single like inch of it is just creator, provider, sustainer. Like look at everything that I've done. Look at everything that I am doing. Look at everything that I'm going to continue to do. Who else is going to do that? Are you like, to me, that's just, again, it just gives me chills. One of my observations comes from verse 21. I love it. Surely, you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. That is so poignant. God saying, I've been around forever. You've been on the planet for a few years. You've seen some stuff, Joe, but it, it, it's like the, you always, you always joke around about in different like life stages of development. When you're in your late teens, early twenties, you 
that's kind of like the height of you thinking you know everything and then you spend the rest of your life realizing how little you knew as you as you keep getting older right and so everyone jokes about late like teenagers and young 20s like like that's the age where you know everything this takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every, every human being is a late, late teenager to God. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we really don't know. We really don't know. Um, I, I look at the, um, the verses it, starting verse eight, where it talks about um, who shut up the seas behind the door and uh, you know, who put boundaries on these things. And I, I think it's really interesting. I, I think we talked about this a, a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago where um, in the ancient world, if you thought about the open sea and you, you're thinking about the technology they had to sail around, anything very far beyond the coast, like if you lost sight of the coast, suddenly becomes this untamable, un, like, like you're way in over your head. And uh, they use the image of the sea because of that as a, sort of a symbol of all the chaotic things that we couldn't control. So they would they would speak of kind of the turmoil of life in terms of a raging sea. And so for God to say, I'm I'm actually in charge of the sea. Like all like all of the world that you you are like it comes at me, you know, the 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 being battered by life, I'm actually in charge of that. Like I I set limits to the physical sea, but I, that also symbolizes to them, like I'm in charge of all the things that you can't explain and can't control. Um, those aren't out of control for me because I've got them. I thought of similar to that is the stars. He talks about the stars here. He says, um, can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? And I thought about this as reading that. I was like, when was the last time that I actually looked at the stars? Like when was actually the last time that I looked up? I when I was a kid, I would do this every night, and I would just stare at it, and I would try to find the constellations. And I know a lot of people are like weird with the constellations, or like, oh, we we don't look at those things. Um, but like, they're beautiful, and like God created them, and even like I think they served a purpose back in the day, right? They let people know like where they were and how to travel from place to place. But now we had this like beautiful thing to look at and to observe that He created. When was the last time that you looked at it? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's some awe and wonder that sometimes we get caught in our own little world and we we miss out. And so we don't get to experience any of the humility that, that God's trying to put on Job. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the glow in the dark star stickers that you could put on your ceiling? My yeah. kids have those. So <clears throat> when I was when I was a teenager, I was I was type A enough. Like I bought tons of packages of those and my whole ceiling was just packed, but I act, there was like a, a diagram on the package to do the constellations. And so in my bedroom, they were like all over my ceiling and like a foot or two down my wall. So it was like three, three D kind awesome. of, and I actually had the, the constellations on my ceiling. So the last time I actually stared at the stars and looked for constellations, I think was when I was 17. <laughs> you need to go look at the stars tonight. Yeah. If they're out. Okay. Go look at it. One of the, one of the Everybody things. Everybody go look at the stars. <laughs> one of the things with him saying, uh, I lead the stars around, is if you were in the ancient world, and honestly, there are lots of people who do this now, they, they thought the, the stars controlled their fate, right? Yeah, like there's right. horoscopes and, and astrology and so on. And so he's saying, God, God is saying, the thing you think controls, is, controls your fate. I control it. Mm-hmm. And so there's, a, there's more than just the beauty. There's also the who's actually running the world. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to the M in comma, one of the M's in comma. We'll talk about message first this time. Oh, here we go. 
It's time for comma tip of the week. When you are doing your Bible reading and you are trying to figure out what is the message from that day's Bible reading that you're going to take away, here's something not to ignore. How does that day's reading make you feel? Sometimes we always put things in thought categories or thinking categories, but sometimes your main takeaway might actually be in the feeling category. How does this passage make me feel about myself? Or how does this passage make me feel about God? So, don't dismiss how passages make you feel because sometimes that's your message for the day. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's talk about our messages. What'd you get out of this passage? Um, I wrote, God is God and I'm not. Like, honestly, I know that's probably super generic, but there is no other way to say that. Uh, it is very clear in this passage that he is the only one that can create and provide and sustain and judge and heal and do all of these things. Like he's, yeah, I, and if, if there's ever a thought in my mind that says, oh, I, I know or I get it, I, there's, I'm so wrong. <laughs> so God is God and we're not. I just heard this really helpful tip a few minutes ago about feeling. It can actually be your, <laughs> yeah. your yeah. takeaway from, from your reading. So my message, my message is uh, I am small and yeah. God is big. And I, and I don't mean small in the sense that insignificant, because I know the scriptures have a lot of things to say about how much God thinks about and cares about humanity. But when I read this passage, I feel small and I feel God's bigness. Yeah. Uh, my, my message is, is along the same lines. There's a lot we don't know. Um, and I, I put, let, let's put that in context of what Job is wrestling with and it's his own suffering. Um, there's a lot we don't know. Um, so sometimes we want to give tidy explanations for why we're going through what we're going through or why things are happening in the world the way they are. And uh, sometimes we have some idea, but there's a lot of things we don't know. And, um, and God knows all of those things. So I, 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 had a conversation with a friend a long time ago. This is when we were both um, new dads and uh, he, he observed something. He said, my, you know, newborn child was in his room and I went into his room and uh, had to find something. There was something like in the nursery that he had to get while the kid was sleeping. And he said, I went in there and I made a noise or I had to turn on a light or something and it disturbed the baby and the baby's suddenly screaming, right? So like the, 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 for the baby, it's, it's yelling out the equivalent of why are you doing this to me? Explain yourself. Like, like this is, you have, you have ruined my world. And he said, the reality is, even if I could explain it to him, it had nothing to do with him. I, I was going in that room for my own purposes I was doing I was doing things that were independent of what he was uh, uh, w uh, with my child. It, it was connected. It was related in some way, but it was like I was doing this for not directly in response to him or something like that. And so um, there are times when God is like that, where he's he's our father. He loves us. He's there for us, but he does things for his own purposes that are not to ruin our lives. They're not against us. They're simply other things he's got going on. That there are times when he's saying, if I could explain it to you, um, it, it, first of all, I can't explain it to you because you, you're, you're a baby <laughs> compared to me. Uh, but also if I could explain it to you, it might not necessarily have anything directly to do with you. And it's part of my bigger purposes. But you know what? 
I love you. I'm, I care for you. And I do actually care that you are in distress right now, but the explanation isn't what's going to help you with that. It's knowing who I am and that you can trust me. And so I think that a sense that we don't know it all um, uh, has some, some relevance to us saying, how do we process our suffering? All right, let's talk about uh, meditation here, okay? Um, I think uh, it would be fitting after reading a passage like this to spend 45 seconds or much longer if you want to um, simply praising God. I mean, they're, they're, like you can feel it in the passage. Uh, you want to uh, exalt who God is and give him honor for being God uh, when we are not. So take 45 seconds or longer uh, to praise him, uh, perhaps for one of the things in this passage or perhaps something else that you know uh, about who God is. All right, the A in comma is application. This is where we say what we do in response to what we've read. What are you going to do? Uh, my application going off my message, uh, God has gotten, I'm not, um, is it's just humility. It's awe. It's wonder. It is praise. Um, it's just taking the time to recognize that more often. Uh, like I said, I don't know, going outside and looking at the stars and sitting in the fact that God created them and God controls them um, and he has a purpose and a plan behind them. You know what I mean? Like uh, looking at the sunsets more, looking at God's creation, what he created, how he sustains it. Um, it's really hard for me to look at storms with wonder because they freak me out. But like even that in and of itself is God's creation. And um, I just need to be more mindful of that and not pass it by as much. My application comes from Nikki. I'm going to go out in the next few nights. I'm just going to carve out like 30 minutes. I'm going to go outside and stand in a field by my house. And I'm just going to go stare at the stars and see what kind of thoughts I have about God. That's good. Um, I, I think... Um, the, the, the recognition of how big God is and how much he knows. I think the, the response is to let that humble you, but also let it free you. Um, there, uh, Nikki, you said it, uh, you know, God is God and we're not, you know. Uh, there's something about that that should make us say, oh man, okay. So I don't get to be God. Like I don't get to be in charge. I don't be, get to be in control and call the shots. Um, so that humbles us. But I also don't have to be God. Yeah. And that frees us. There's a lot of trust. Like if you can get to the place where you say, you know what? There's a good God who knows what he's doing. He's got way more of this figured out than I do. So I better let him be in charge and because he, he, he can do it and I can't. And so there's some freedom and some rest that comes from, from not having to be God. 
All right, friends, that's all that we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not reading along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along with us. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.